tonight we are joined by a very special guest on the episode this is like we said at the end of our last one something we've been looking forward to a long time he is a third generation jeet kundo and filipino kali instructor with over three decades of martial experience he holds a fourth degree black belt in shotokan a second degree black belt in taekwondo and two first degree black belts in hapkido and judo all complementing his extensive training in boxing muay thai catch wrestling brazilian jiu-jitsu savat wing chun and more In 2004, he was ranked fourth competitor in the world by the North American Sport Karate Association, and he was inducted into the Martial Arts Hall of Fame at Madison Square Garden in 2008. Founder of the Garcia Gung Fu Institute in East Harlem, where he is a trainer, leader, surrogate, and friend to many, but to all, first and foremost, a teacher. Ladies and gentlemen, for the very first time, the real-life Nightwing, Sifu Richard Garcia. That's an intro. (laughs) (laughs) I like the Nightwing part. I was late. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, first of all, thank you so much for coming on, Sifu. Um, we've been looking forward to this for a while. If you've listened to our show, you know that this is a man who's very important um, in the lives of me and Jude, and yes, as a martial artist as well. So he knows the importance of having a, a good relationship with your sensei, Sifu, professor, whatever. So, just uh, by way of giving our listeners context, Sifu. Um, you know, just introduce yourself, your your personal history and your martial history, um, a little bit about, you know, coming up in the Bronx in the 80s and then working your way into martial arts. Yeah, you know, so um, grew up in the Bronx, like like uh, you just said, um, Castle Hill, Parkchester area, um, was born in the Castle Hill Projects. So I don't know if you guys know anything about that area, but it's raw. Mm-hmm. It's tough. So obviously martial arts was, well, any type of fighting or self-defense was going to be something that was going to be beneficial to me growing up. So uh, early on, maybe around the age of seven or so, I started karate and it was at a local community center. Um, The guy, the sensei that was teaching, I, I, you know, I feel bad. I don't remember his last name. I just remember we used to call him Sensei Dean, but he, he actually, um, was part of a pretty, I didn't know it back then that he was, um, used to train a lot of world champions and, uh, he was the teacher of a, of another world champion named Jesse Ray. Uh, if you look him up, he was a multiple time karate world champion. And, and you know, I, I was there when Jesse Ray was just a green belt, you know, I started as a white belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did that for a bit. And then, uh, later on when I was a bit older, because growing up, I moved a lot. So I couldn't have a teacher for too long. Right. But when I got a bit older, I started Taekwondo and it was under a grandmaster named Usu Kim, who was um, related to the famous Tiger Kims of the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Tiger Kim family, they, they're, they're some of the most famous Taekwondo families um, ever. Actually, it, it's it's a special form of Taekwondo because it's, it's called Mudu Kwang Taekwondo. And um, now that Cobra Kai is kind of popular again, you know, the Netflix series. Actually, um, the Cobra Kai Dojo studies Murukan Tangsudo. Mm. And so I, I studied Taekwondo. So basically, uh, Tangsudo and Taekwondo split. I don't know when. I mean, this is all before my time. But I but I studied with the Taekwondo um, split of, of the Murukan family. And then I, I did that extensively to Black Belt. Um, you know, competed a lot in Taekwondo. I, I became an instructor. And... Um, that's how I started teaching, mm-hmm. but um, MMA reared this beautiful head, and I, I started to get curious about other forms of martial arts. And um, one of the things, if, if you study traditional martial arts, um, it can be um, a little dogmatic sometimes. I don't want to say cultish because that that might be too strong of a word, but sometimes um, you, you you're expected to have too much of an affinity to your teachers and it could be a little bit um, bulldogish, you know, into how, how you're supposed to relate to a, to a teacher or a master. So it got the better of me. And, you know, I'm very young. I, I want to hang out. I, I don't want to be uh, a slave to the dojo all the time. So I, at that point, I, I kind of branched off and I started my martial journey. And I, and I went to the opposite of what I thought was Taekwondo, to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. So I studied. And I, so I did that um, for a bit. And then I couldn't practice anymore because uh 9-11 happened and my dojo was just a few blocks away from the world trade center so i couldn't i, I couldn't part. train anymore yeah. yeah and so that that's why i stopped brazilian jiu-jitsu uh with that school and then from then on i i 
you know, I, I wanted to do something else and I'm like, I want to compete again. So there was this guy named Jerry Fast Feet Fontanez, <laughs> who's a multiple, multiple, you know uh, him? I know, I know, yeah. Did you did you study? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> he's known. I, I known him, you know, when I was a kid, but I, I wanted to study with him. So I um I kind of like sought him out. At the time he was teaching in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and that that was rough for me because I'm living in the Bronx. Right. Um, you know, I had just finished school. I'm living in the Bronx. I'm traveling all the way down to uh lower Manhattan and working. And then I'm traveling from there up to Elizabeth, New Jersey every night to work out with, with, with Jerry and, and karate. But then, you know, he got me started in sport karate and then I started to compete and that's where I got the ranking that you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Um, but, you know, I should, I should kind of digress a little bit and just mention that I, I had decided, you know, cause I, I'm, I was working downtown and I hated it. I hated, uh, the Wall Street type business life wasn't for me. I wasn't a cubicle guy and I had too much energy. And I think people in my job thought I was weird or I had a bladder issue because I couldn't sit still. And I would get up every five seconds to throw roundhouse kicks. I, <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with this kid? You know, he got issues, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> so uh, I, I said, you know what? I, I think I need to teach because, um, you know, I can teach martial arts. I can do it. And my goal was to be able to be a competitor, really, that taught. That was my initial plan. So the idea was that if I'm teaching and I'm doing this, um, then I could actually um, do, kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. And I could train for tournaments and also pass on and make a living. I was never in it to be rich. I just wanted to you know, make enough so I don't have to be homeless. <laughs> that was it. I also didn't want to be the type of person that taught without ever fighting. I don't believe in that. Right. So I wanted to make sure that I was a fighter and I had a, a fight record and I know what it's like to taste battle so that when I teach you what works, I could tell you from firsthand experience. And you guys know the way I teach, you know, I teach the positives and the negatives about my personal experience. I'll teach you things I do well and I'll teach you, you know, situations where I got hurt. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, I got knocked out this time doing this. So, you know, I like to teach my experience. And I think that's what happens when you're on the battlefield. You know, it, it's it's both W's and L's, you know, that's the way it is. And, and they're all teachable. So that's, so I wanted that experience. But when I started to, to teach, I realized that it ain't easy, especially in New York, mm -hmm. and that it required my 100% devotion. So I, I couldn't really compete. You know, and it was one of those things where I'll compete next year, I'll do it next year. And, you know, never, never happened. While I was competing, um, something became blatantly obvious to me. And it was that no matter how good I was, the physical attributes I possess, others would have greater physical attributes. So you could have the best karate in the world and do the classes and know everything. But, you know, if someone's physically stronger or faster, then they were going to get the better of me in the tournaments. And, you know, being ranked number fourth wasn't enough. I, I was after number one. I mean, obviously, you know, testosterone and youth and stupidity. And, I, you know, you got to be the best, right? That's it. But so I was trying to figure out how to do that. But what I what I what I saw was a friend of mine had a, a video of, uh, of Paul Bunak. Um, and I remember it was like volume three trapping Jeet Kune Do. And I had never seen this stuff before. And I and I saw it and I went, oh, my God, this is it. This is what I need. I, this is what I it was like what I always wanted in fighting mm -hmm. and what I never got. And I said, you know, really, you know, I'll be honest, I was planning on learning it so I could use it in the ring and kind of wreck some shit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sneak it in there. That's what I was planning. Um, but I fell in love with it. And, um, you know, I started digesting all of uh, Paul Vunok's material. Then I wound up calling him and this guy is crazy. And I mean that in a good way, but he, he used to have martial, there was martial art magazine, Black Belt magazine and such. And he would advertise and he put his home number in Black Belt magazine. Like, Dead ass. So I, I saw his number one day and I'm like, well, that's probably like a toll free number or, you know, some service right. number where you can order. No, I called the number and the dude picks up. And I, and I was like shocked, you know, because I was starstruck because, you know, I had looked up to this guy mm -hmm. and I spoke to him and he invited me over to his uh, to his home to train. And uh, at that time, he was in San Clemente, California. And uh, that was it. That was the start, you know, from. I, I had never looked back in terms of martial arts. You know, I, I traveled to see him 
I rented a, a, a crappy little little Chevy, I don't know, some little subcompact car that could barely handle LA highway speed. <laughs> and I and I drove from LAX all down to uh, San Clemente, stayed in some little little hotel, trained with him, and that was it. That was the start of my JKD uh, training until I was ranked uh, a full instructor under him. And uh, with the sole purpose of spreading Jeet Kune Do in New York City because it was underrepresented. Right. Um, so that's basically how I got to this point and eventually to you guys, right? Where you sought me out. Um, yeah. Absolutely. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's the story. Yeah. The abbreviated no, version. You, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and and we'll get more into the specifics of, of Jeet Kune Do later on in the episode. But uh, Jude, why don't you hit us off with the first question yes sir so yo Siva, what is your wildest memory as a martial artist what is the oh wildest God. thing that has happened in your martial arts life that's 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 hard to say because um that's a hard question <laughs> um <laughs> you know uh there's so many wildest things um if you you know as a teacher i mean you know kids crapping their pants in the, in the dojo floor you know that might be wild <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, that you counts. Strippers, oh yeah, I remember that. That was right, funny. Right, right, stuff like that. But no, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I, I think one of my most memorable that was wild was, you know, um, I had made so many friends over the years and um, different styles, and I think that's um, what I'm most pleased with. I have friends who do kung fu and do uh, ninjutsu and kempo and all kinds of stuff, and. Um, you know, me and some of my buddies, and these are all high-ranking masters and teachers, you know, not just mm-hmm. uh, student grade, but they, we decided to put together a tournament. And um, it was at my first gym at 107th and 3rd Avenue. And the gym, and so we decided to put this tournament where we were going to invite every dojo we could all over. I mean, not just in the tri-state, I mean, all over the tri-state, New York, everywhere. And uh, we we went to gyms. We actually it was like a like old school. We, I wanted to actually create scrolls, right? Where you show up and you're like, you are <laughs> cordially invited to the yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, something like that. But I invited we invited a whole bunch. And then um, the goal was to do something different than MMA, but with MMA type rules. And it was to have these guys fight, but using the style of, of that they represent. And the way that we were going to judge the fight was you don't win just by um, out pointing or knocking out your opponent. You also win by accuracy. So if you say you do ninjutsu and you go in there and you're swinging all crazy and it doesn't look like ninjutsu, you would disqualify. It had to use jujitsu or ninjutsu or whatever the, the art would. So the goal was to see which, which art, when you actually use it, was the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun. Um, you know, ironically, I, I, I'm going to ask you guys a question. In our first uh, event, what style you think won? In our first event? at um Right, right the event where we had different arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say, like, maybe maybe us, JKD. JKD? How about you, Amin? What do you think? I'm like... Uh, <laughs> I might have to just I might have to like go with uh, JKD. I, I I don't I don't know. So you know, actually, the answer was Taekwondo. <laughs> oh shit! Taekwondo. It was Taekwondo. You know, it was funny, man. You know, and it goes like that. You know, this 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 fighter, this Taekwondo guy. Uh, you know, he was related to our gym. Um, he just went ape shit. He he just kicked the crap out of everybody. Wait, Ruben? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, for those yeah. of you that don't know, Ruben is the OG black belt at um at. Garcia and this wild nigga. He's he's like right. two thirty and and it's a spinning tornado. Like he's the one yeah. who opened up the uh, the other school, right? Yeah, the other yeah. school in the Bronx, right. right? But yeah, I think that was my most wild experience. I mean, we had live DJs. It was it was pretty fun. It was pretty wild. That's dope. Yeah. Beautiful. Interesting. Oh man. Ahmad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Sifu, uh, I got, I got a question here for you. I got a question. Cool, cool. If there All was right. anything you could have changed in your years of martial arts, what is some that 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 you you just you wish you would have changed? Or if you're the type of person to say that everything happened for a reason, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not gonna go that route. I feel like that could be a cop out. Everything's great, or or you know, I I. I wouldn't, you know, I, I'll answer it like in, in the middle. Like, I, I appreciate all my experiences in martial art training. Even the bad ones, they taught me something. But I think the regret I would have is that 
I took myself too seriously in the beginning when I was starting teaching. Mm. And I had uh, a lot of stress and 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 issues and I, I should have had more fun early on, I think, sometimes. But, you know, it's hard, like, when you're starting a business and you you don't know anything and you're you're young and you're, you're out there and people didn't respect me. They, they thought I was a kid. And um, I, or at least I felt that way. And I, I was alone. I, I didn't understand how to run a business. I didn't understand the responsibilities. But I have fiscal responsibilities. I have uh, teacher responsibilities. I'm responsible for other students. And um, so I think a regret is that, and especially in the early days, I should have just just had a lot more fun. I should have just not taken it so seriously. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think that'll come back in a, in a, in a later question. Um, but I want to I want to dig in a little bit more to Jeet Kune Do specifically now. So up at the top, obviously, if y'all are listening, you heard me say that Sifu was a third generation teacher. And what I mean by that is that the people who taught him learned directly from Bruce Lee, who was the founder of what we call Jeet Kune Do um, today. So one of the things about Jeet Kune Do, one of its, I guess, uh, isolating um, qualities is that it's consistently described by Bruce Lee as being non-classical, right? It's yeah. this sort of study of how to create a martial art that isn't bound in time. But how do you, Sifu, as an instructor of it for, you know, 15 plus years now, how do you go about preserving the traditions of Jeet Kune Do as a non-classical art? Are there traditions to preserve or, or what, how do you approach that? that, that that's, that's an interesting point because um, so the Jeet Kune Do world split into two major camps, right? Mm-hmm. And one camp wants to teach exactly the way Bruce Lee taught. And, and they call, you know, it's actually called original Jeet Kune Do. And um, they feel that um, Bruce created a martial art and that should be taught and preserved. So I'm actually a ranked instructor in the original Jeet Kune Do school. And there's another camp called Jeet Kune Do Concepts. And they believe in more to use his philosophy um, and, and the underlying principles, but not be bound by them so that you could study other arts as long as you, you, you pull the essence. And I'm also a ranked instructor in that one. <laughs> so I'm actually ranked in both schools. And I find myself pulling from both. Um, I feel that it's important to teach the original art um, or as much of our understanding of it as a baseline. So, you know, my students are taught the Baijong, which is the fighting stance and the, and the lead punch and all the basic, the trapping and all the stuff that Bruce did. But we also... Um, are open-minded. And I think that's also preserving the tradition, which is to be non-classical. So um, we look at, at current events. If, if there's a an uptick in stabbings, well, guess what we're going to study on Monday night, right? Right. Or mm-hmm. if, if on the UFC on Saturday night, um, and this is the way we teach in our school, you, we see a lot of fighters getting leg kicked. Well, we're going to learn leg kick defense on mm-hmm. Monday. So it's, so it's like we use the, the original art as a baseline, but we branch off. I feel like by doing that, I'm honoring the tradition of Jeet Kune Do. Yeah. In two ways. Yeah, it's an interesting point because um, something that um, kind of, that it kind of makes me think of is the difference between uh, a legacy and a memorial, right? I think like, you know, obviously Bruce Lee died, you know, and very early and very tragically. And so I can see how it was sort of split into two, like his, his concept was split into two camps. We could memorialize him by practicing exactly what he created up until the point that he died, but then that would be stagnant versus Mm -hmm. a legacy, which is a bit more living. And that is maybe the second school you were describing where it's like, okay, what, what was Jeet Kune Do about? What was Jun Fan Gung Fu about in the beginning? And what are the principles that, you know, we can take and apply to other things? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like the way, I like the way you worded that memorial that I never heard of that. I might have to steal that, Justin. Hey, no problem. Go on, man. No problem. Jude? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what are some things you've picked up from your teachers, previous or current, uh, that is not directly related to martial arts? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, man. Okay, so my first instructor is um, from the Taekwondo school. I feel like a sense of, of duty 
mm. not just discipline. Um, it was almost like going to military school. Yeah. And um, as being a young man and growing up in a, you know, you know, we had, we had a black and Hispanic neighborhood and a lot of us didn't really grow up with a lot of um, positive male role models. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that I feel a lot and a lot of my friends, you know, they didn't really make it. You know, I hate to say, it, you know, a lot of my friends either ended up in jail or even worse. So um, I or even just having a, a unfulfilled life, you know, poverty and all kinds of uh, addictions and, and, and situations like that. So. I feel that um, I learned a sense of duty, like doing what's right and and um, no matter what. And that helped me a lot. Um, it helped me finish school. Um, mm-hmm. Even now, you know, I'm still, in, I'm still in school pursuing an art degree. And it's hard because I'm running a business and I'm, and I'm you know, learning a new craft. But um, that sense of duty and doing what I have to do um, really was important early on. So I think that's one of the, the most important things I learned. Uh, you know, some of the other ones, uh, Vunak is like not giving an F. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Povunak is a he's a rebel man, and I I, I like that. I, I like how he's he's okay with being himself. My favorite thing about him, and I don't want to put him on blast. Like some of his vices, I don't want to ever be disrespectful. I consider him my teacher. I love him a lot, but he doesn't have any problem telling you his flaws, mm-hmm. and he owns them as part of his personality. And um, I like that. I think that takes confidence to be able to do that. And uh, as you guys know, like I'm not afraid of saying what I, what I feel is a flaw in any, in any situation mm-hmm. because um, it's been role model to me that it, it's okay. And you know, we're not perfect. So I don't even profess to be that. You know? Right. So I, I think that's another thing that I learned. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. I think that's part of what contributes to, the environment of our school, Jude, um, is mm-hmm. is that idea that we are in a space where we can be fallible, um, you know, and uh, it's not going to be like punished necessarily, you know. But um, at the same time, I, I think that in, it, it comes around and helps us like focus more, you know, when we when we see where our weak areas are and we can look at them and examine them as opposed to trying to just shun them without like paying any attention to them. And I think this can go for any martial artist, really. Um, it it really comes down to, to your, to your teacher, to, to create that space that is, is vulnerable and nurturing, you know? Um, and you know, while you're, you're here to learn something that obviously is potentially deadly, (laughs) but it's, but you have to get there, you know what I mean? And so many people, like I've been, um, kind of experimenting with teaching, martial arts here and there and as I've become more experienced uh, uh, under Sifu and it's just like it's such a different way of moving you know people yeah. really aren't like like the 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 body is I feel like so kind of underestimated sometimes like we we get used to doing kind of the bare minimum with with our bodies and so even something as as simple for all for every, every one of us on this call as like getting in a fighting stance and step and slide forward and back. That's difficult for some people to, to get to. I mean, just yeah. the footwork, let alone actually picking up your leg to kick, forming a punch correctly, you know? Um, but I love seeing people get it. And I imagine that's something that, you know, Sifu keeps you going even in, in the difficult moments you've had over your years of teaching is like yeah. when someone does actually understand it, you know? Um, you feel good. And I think Jeet Kune Do is cool because it leaves room for you to understand it in different ways. That's right. You know? Um, uh, yeah. So that, that, that's what was really interesting. Um, yeah. Y'all have any comments about that? And also what I think is pretty dope though, is the sense of duty that I think I got from um, Garcia. I also got it from my mom. My mom had a mm-hmm. saying in Italian called Doveda. You, you do your duty. And mm-hmm. in, we kind of run as a crew, as a, as a family together, you know, Justin, uh, help me paint my crib. Justin and Josh helped me help me paint my crib. It was their duty as my homies to do that, you know. Or I would have a duty towards them. Justin needs help with X Y Z. I got him, you know. Sifu needed help with the school. I got him. We all got each other's back, and we have a duty yeah. to us. But then we take that to everywhere else. We gotta everything else we do in our lives, you know. 
helping out our friends move move uh, things in the house or having duties to our family members during this time of COVID and like chilling out and staying inside or, mm-hmm. you know, we all, it's brought us a sense of duty. I keep repeating myself with that, but yeah, but no, but I think right. that's a, true. Yeah. You know, I think I, I, I take and also holding ourselves accountable to our word, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And and make no mistake, if I need help moving a couch, Jude, you'll be the first person. That's right. Nick, I'm not helping you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are available. I know. Cool. Ahmad, was, was there anything that you, um, I mean, this is kind of an interesting question for all of us to think about, like anything that you've picked up um, from teachers in martial arts or outside of it that you've been able to, uh, that have stuck with you? Well, um, I'm pretty sure Sifu probably knows people that I, I know in, in my martial arts school. Um, uh, Professor Mo, uh, Professor mm-hmm. Bethia, he, he um, I've known, well, he's known my mom ever since like the 80s. And so mm-hmm. with with her, she found it, she found it, in it as, as her duty to uh, teach, well, teach herself how to um break the norms in the school. Whereas when it came mm-hmm. to women, they were always seen mm-hmm. as those who need extra work, those who were weak and those who uh, weren't doing what they were supposed to do. But my mom mm-hmm. saw that differently because she was one of the most ruthless people that were in that school at that time. And then mm-hmm. it came on to uh, me, well, my brother first before me, and it was just the, it was it was my duty to keep that reputation up. Because when I was there, I I won't lie, I I felt uneasy. I felt a little uncomfortable there because people were looking at me and they knew who my mother was, and so they were like, "Okay, we we're gonna see what, what kind of stuff you got." I was I was nervous as hell because I didn't know what I didn't know what what they expected, but I felt like my duty was to be the best that I could be, break my limits as far as like with everything that was going on up here and physically. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it was my duty to uh, to to care for the people that I train with, not like you know yeah. I'm on the mat with you and then I'm gone, and then like the next few days you see me again. Like no, right. I want to build sort of a bond with you as we're on this mat. Like we're honestly we're actually getting physical with each other. We're hitting each other. We're hitting well, not really hitting each other, but like we're really attacking the, the weak points in our body. That no, Ahmad, I've sparred you. You really be hitting people. You hit you hit hard, bro. <laughs> you built like a little pig, nigga. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Okay, the people on bro, you got hands on strike a match in front of it, bro. Listen, the people that are, they're, they're gonna listen to this here. Not a lot of folks say, "No, I do martial arts." So shut up. <laughs> oh, got you. <laughs> oh, sorry, Batman. <laughs> but it's too late now, man. That's it. Keep it tough, brother. <laughs> but I was just saying, like it's it's like. I'm, I'm, I, it makes me proud of myself that yes. I can do this. It makes me proud of myself that I can go beyond and, um, and, and, and learn new techniques within myself, learn that the human body is much more extraordinary than it is. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I agree with what you were saying. People don't, people underestimate the human body. The human body is an amazing thing to, to research and also mm-hmm. look at. And also, when it comes to um, certain locks, whenever I'm whenever I'm uh, teaching, I'm just starting out teaching. But I always tell people that I teach, I go, I always say, a joint is a beautiful is a beautiful thing, but it can only do so much. It can only move so much. Whenever you're doing locks mm-hmm. with people, it can only move so much. When it comes to people who are flexible or they double joint it, uh, I'll be like, yeah, there's a limit. Yeah, there's a little limit there. I want you to just, 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 just put a little extra on on, on that joint right there. Mm-hmm. But back to what I was saying, I love. I feel like my, my duty is to also inspire people, yes. inspire others, inspire people that really think that they're not fit for this world. Honestly, you know, even if it's like, even if it doesn't pertain to martial arts, it can be just for life. Um, yeah, and I've learned that uh later uh, early on in life so yeah yeah jude and and we'll get to your your next question after this jude but um you know you've talked to me at least about you know 
approaching therapy from yeah. a, a martial arts lens, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that was such a great idea because martial arts is already inherently therapeutic to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. um, you know, people find themselves in martial arts and and it might they might start for one reason and then discover an entirely new kind of catharsis in it, you know, this epiphany through just moving their body. Um, and uh, and I think it's it's definitely important to realize how how profound an effect it can have uh, on our lives. So, yeah. But Jude, what's your your next question? My next question. My next question is what's something you feel is missing from martial arts culture? That's a good one. I, you know what I think it is, is quality um, control. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that that's changing. You know, if you look at traditional martial arts and the way that it was, uh, prior to MMA becoming as big as it is, where it's like people, when you think martial arts today, you go up to a kid, they're going to think MMA. They're going to think jujitsu, Muay Thai. They're not going to think mm-hmm. uh, karate or kung fu like, you know, in the past but i think what the difference is the quality assurance yeah, a lot of um people they they their technique is not as sharp as it used to be they might be stronger you know you see uh, stronger people fitter but they're not the kicking quality is poor um i think it's less mastery of of basics Mm-hmm. And it's more like like jumping into things. So I think that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, you, you go back in the day and you watch the way people kicked and moved and it was incredible. Yeah. You see today and it's like, yeah, it's all right. You know, right. Even professionals, you see people on, you know, on TV and it's like, it's okay. I mean, but they're strong as hell. Don't get me wrong. They'll, they'll hurt mm-hmm. you. So physically, the attributes, the athletic aspect is very high. But the uh, the techniques, I think uh, that that's one. I agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah. Jude, yeah. you look like you wanted to you say something. Yeah, I was, but he kind of answered it. Like, has like the fitness world kind of just put itself into martial arts a little too much, and it got mm-hmm. way too into like the looks, and then you mm-hmm. know hitting a hitting somebody really hard, but not perfecting their kick. We have like f- like yeah. few and far between really beautiful fighters, and I'm talking mm-hmm. like Israel Adesanya, McGregor, Khabib. You know, Khabib is like you know, grueling and a hardcore dude. But if you look at it from a wrestling standpoint, it's beautiful what he does or, yeah. you know, Gracie in jujitsu or um, what's his name? Uh, Brian Ortega. You know, those are like few and far between beautiful martial artists. And when it comes to what they do, but everybody else, it's kind of just, you know, a lot of a uh, journeyman. Of course, that's every combat sport and almost every sport, but, do you feel like fitness has kind of just infected it a little bit? Well, the thing is that we look at names like, you know, Adesanya or Khabib, and these are these are champions, right? These are people that are on TV. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the hordes of people that are coming into the MMA gyms. You know, yeah. the people that, oh, I want to do martial arts. So it's cardio kickboxing or it's Muay Thai or whatever, you know, and, they, they, and they're going into these gyms. And, you know, Americans expect rows of heavy bags and mm-hmm. noise and movement and stuff and it's and it's, and it's all this like um short attention span it's loud it's quick it's in your face um and people go in and, and they they get a little workout uh but you don't see like that black belt excellence like the average person like really grinding it and, and that's kind of fading away a little bit maybe not so much in brazilian jiu-jitsu because you got to earn those belts yeah, but, but you see it in like the, the boxing gyms. How mm-hmm. many people say they box? You look at them, you're like, that's boxing? Do Interesting. You, Interesting. <laughs> yeah, like Rumble. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Taking rumble. shots today. Right. Taking shots today. <laughs> CKO, right, right. taking shots today. Mm. But you got the Rumble box and all these. I, I might put some, I don't want to put any business in on blast. But, no, <laughs> you, you, Judah, right there. You're on the same page right. with me. <laughs> Calling them out. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I... Um, I had, prior to finding um, Garcia Gung Fu, I was kind of in this transitory period with martial arts because I'd finished karate. Um, I didn't finish, like I didn't get my black belt. And even then you're not finished, of course, we know. Um, I got my purple belt and then just finances kind of cropped up and it wasn't it wasn't sustainable for me. Um, and that was with Kushinda Lamar Thornton, who, you know, Ahmad's familiar with. I know Sifu knows that name. Yeah, um, sure. And so after that, 
I was kind of floating around my dad. You know, he wanted me to stay active. He put me in a baseball camp for a summer, Harlem RBI. Hated it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. Oh, my it. God. <laughs> you Dominican, and, Justin? <laughs> I guess so. Dominican. For the summer, I was. Um, Dominicans aren't the only ones who play baseball, dude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they took over. It was not just all it's black for baseball. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, but but after that, um, I got into fencing for a little bit. Um, some of you, I think y'all know, uh, I did uh, at the Peter Westbrook Foundation for five years. That was like a, one Saturday uh, a week. Um, and that was cool, but like I wasn't invested enough to get good enough for like scholarships or competition or anything. I was just doing it because I thought it was cool and then I got bored. So then, you know, um, there was a point though, in the midst of all that where my dad took me to a Tiger Shulman's uh, class downtown and I got in there and the way they orient, you know, oriented, you're basically kind of like in a, what I describe or what I remember as like a fishbowl. They kind of put you in this glass classroom, you know, and the mm. people are sitting outside and you're dressed in white in a white gi with everybody else. And, you know, they're, they're teaching and, and then they, you know, just kind of launch in. And I remember that day they were doing grappling because Tiger Shulman's was selling itself on the mixed martial arts thing as it was kind of, is getting more popular again. And I just remember like I was on my back. Maybe it was like side control or mount, you know, words that I have the vocabulary for now. But at that time I was like, I don't know what's going on. And I remember feeling just like powerless, embarrassed, confused, like all that. And that turned me off from grappling specifically and almost from martial arts in general for a really long time. So that by the time I found Garcia Gung Fu, and I knew that you guys did like jujitsu. I was kind of wary of it, but I was also coming to it like, well, I'm older now. You know, that was an experience with maybe a teacher who didn't, who wasn't that sensitive to a new kid or, mm-hmm. uh, or a classmate who wasn't. Um, but I just remember like, <laughs> I still remember the first day, like my dad and I found Garcia Kung Fu it was literally glowing. Like it was this sunny day <laughs> and we walked in and Sifu was there with Alejandra, um, his, his wife. And they were like, Oh, Hey, how y'all doing? And we were like, Oh, is this? Cause we saw your sign still on the old um, school on one sixteenth, yeah. And so we found the address and you're like, Oh yeah. Like we have classes, um, you know, Saturday mornings, da, da, da. So I came back and it was like, it was just sort of a light speed jump back into comfort and, a place where I felt like, okay, this is what I was supposed to be. This is how yeah. I was supposed to be learning this whole time, you know, mm-hmm. not just you, the teacher, but the environment, the other students there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that was, that was, you know, really important to me. Like I'll, I'll really never forget that day. Um, how did I even get here? What were you saying before this, Jude? I, I asked him, oh, wow. I asked him shit. I said, what's something he feels missing from martial arts culture? Oh, and we would talk- Martial arts culture, yes, yes. So what I was saying, all of that to say, was that I think maybe, you know, kind of what you're talking about, Sifu, in addition to some of the technique lacking is patience, that sense of, of, of the grind that it really takes to hone a skill, you know? Um, uh, and maybe a sense I of think- family. Cause like, yeah. yo, Justin's my brother. Xavier's my brother. Sifu's like, he calls, he goes by Uncle Sifu sometimes. I mean, I call him <laughs> Uncle Sifu, like Uncle Snoop, off the top, but it's just how it is. You know, this right, my right. guy. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, based on what you've told us, Sifu, about how Bruce Lee was, you know, from what you've heard, that was kind of how he ran his schools too. Very casual, very familial not that people didn't have respect for each other you know it wasn't that like it was so casual to the point where you don't care about the space or the people in it um but that like you were saying like you didn't take things too seriously there's humility in the art and especially the way i think you teach it yeah right yeah but that's my style and i I recognize there are other teachers and they do it and there's there are some teachers that probably would shake their head they'll, they'll, they'll come into my gym and they'll see jude shenanigans and they're like what's going on here <laughs> you call this martial arts you know <laughs> but um and and it's cool you know and i i've learned to accept that you know i i, I do things my way you know it's it's um it may not be for everyone i'll be the first guy too that someone will come into the gym and I, i'll tell them straight up i'm like look this school ain't right for you man <laughs> <laughs> you know, go to this school. You know, and I, I'll help them out. I'll say, you know, you should go look into this school because, you know, I know a lot of uh, teachers all over the tri-state area. And, um, you know, I, I'll recommend schools for people. 
But um, yeah, you know, my school is it's, it might feel a little casual. I think Jeet Kune lends itself to that. One of the reasons is that we really um, appreciate people being individuals, mm-hmm. and, um, and not that it's right or wrong. Just, just please hear me out on that. I'm not saying that that's the best way. I'm saying that's just the way we do it. You know, right. o- other schools do it differently, and that and I I really respect what they do. But in my school, it's it's like I appreciate. You get some kids come in and they can't barely kick, but and um, if we're a taekwondo school, then they'll have the experience like you had a Tiger Showman. You're on your back and you're like, "Well, I feel demoralized, right?" Yes. But in 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 Jeet Kune Do, you can grapple, you can lock, you can trap, you can box, you can so you you can work with the stick. You you don't have to just um, do one thing, and you can still be effective. So I'll develop them differently. And some students gravitate more towards grappling, like Xavier. He's a, he's a prolific grappler. And he competes. He competes with all the BJJ schools, and he, and he does well. He holds his um, Yeah, other students with weapons, other students more with the hands. So um, I, but then I also appreciate the individual, you know, Jude's quirkiness. I love it. And don't change, you know. I mean, you bring something to the table. Some kids are, are shy, and I, and I like that. Some uh, you know, it's 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 what we do in Jeekun, though. We express ourselves, as Bruce Lee would say. So that's how we do it, for better or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> that's working so far. Ahmad, your second question? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Sifu! Uh, yes. <laughs> I would, my second question for you is, um, what kind of advice would you give to young instructors and young meaning like you know these people they've been tra- they've been teaching for about like a year or so yeah something that you can give to them yeah so um you know there, there's two parts to that one is when you're teaching uh for business right and when you're teaching for business then i recommend um you know really learning all the necessary business aspects such as because if you're it's nothing wrong with getting paid for your service. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. in martial arts, we're expected to, to kind of not take money or, but you know, we got, we got to survive. We got to eat too, man. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, so it's, it, it, it's sometimes that's the case and it's considered, well, it's you're a McDojo because you charge. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. it's like, I just got bills. <laughs> and it's not like that, you know? So, you know, take care of the business thing, you know, learn, learn about having a bank account, you know, whether you have an LLC and learn what those things are and, you know, how to charge, uh, understand your pricing and where it fits in the market and mm-hmm. as compared to other schools and right. have a decent lo- logo, have a good website, you know, all the business stuff. In terms of the teaching part, um, just just be open to learn from from your mistakes, especially in the beginning. Because no matter how much you prepare, you, you know, you, you, there are going to always be new things coming that are different and you, and you don't know how to prepare for them. But you, as long as you learn from it, it's it's all good, especially in the beginning. You know, I made all kinds of mistakes. Um, one of the things about me is that I, I tend to be a relatively shy person. A lot of people don't know that about me. Um, and so and that's because when I'm in my comfort zone. I might appear to be super confident and, right. but then you put me outside of that and it's like, I'm like a different person. So in the beginning when I was teaching, I was super shy and, uh, you know, I'm here, I am teaching people that are way older than me. I'm teaching people like my, my, my parents age and they're, mm-hmm. they're white belts and right. And it's like, it's kind of weird. It's like, um, uh, and I'm telling them what to do. Right. And they're calling me, you know, teacher. So mm-hmm. that took a while to get the confidence, but always believe in yourself, you know, um, you're there for a reason. You have something that's valuable. You're passing it on. They need it. Um, and uh, just, just, just remember that you're providing a service that that's important. And when, you know, when you have bad days, grade yourself harsher than anyone else. That's another one. Mm. You know, I, I, like I grade that. myself. I don't. I don't need anybody to grade me online. I do it myself. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I know when I'm at my best and I know when I'm at my worst. And I know it. I know when I teach a crappy class. I go, damn, that sucked. You know, and then I think about it and I'm like, okay, so what can I do to make it better? And I'll and I'll figure it out. And then I'll teach, you know, maybe it's arrogance, I don't know. Maybe it's hubris, but the next day I'm like, I'm gonna teach that class again. <laughs> I'm gonna do it again. I, right. I, I, I I'm gonna figure this out and I'll and I'll try 
to, to flip it. So um, I think that's important to, to do that, to be able to tr- uh, honestly analyze yourself and, and to be able to make adjustments when necessary. Mm, yeah, and I think I think it'll be fine, and then as long as your heart's in the right place, it, it'll it'll work out. Yeah, and it, in a way, it comes back to like you know knowing your worth, uh, and I mean in in a literal financial sense, right, and in a in a more personal sense, knowing that if you are qualified to um, be instructing, to be teaching, whatever, having that security in what you've yeah. learned and what you can pass on to others, yeah, and I'm and you know maybe it's something that you still struggle with Sifu, you know, even as you've been teaching as long as you have? Yeah. I mean, look at the situation we are in now. And then for those who don't know, you know, we're, I'm teaching outdoors yeah. and it's January. That's rough. And it's kind of uh, gangster. It, 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 it is. is. I mean, it, it's, got some, it's got some, yeah, it's got that, that kind of Japanese mountain training. Um, <laughs> I like the Rocky running in the, running in the snow, right? The oh, Siberian... Yeah. Yeah, that type of thing. No, but it's rough, and and it's and obviously there's a major hit in student count because there's people who aren't training, and I, it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest part, and, and and you know, and I'll I'll be even vulnerable for a moment because I I want to I want to be speak uh, truthfully. The mm-hmm. hardest part for me now is to not get so down that you know because the situation sucks so bad. That you know, I, I don't want to get depressed because of it. Because you know, you, I'm so used to having a, a successful school and mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. and all this energy, and I was like a fraction of that. But um, I'm just keeping true to myself. Like, okay, I, I'm, I, I, I believe what I'm doing. I'm not gonna let this die. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, this situation is not gonna take me out, man. I'm, not, I'm gonna fight just like I fought in the ring. I'm fighting now, man. And uh, the enemy is something else. The enemy is just about survival. So it's like now I'm looking at that and I'm just um, trying to find the, the the little moments that are good. They're few and far be, you know, between. But but they they're there. You know, some days like like I thought yesterday's class was dope. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of us out there. You know, everybody was having fun and it was like ah, this is what it what it feels like. This is this yeah. is what makes it worthwhile. So it's like that. You know. Yeah. yeah. Ups and Peaks and valleys, like everything else. Um, oh yeah. One one more uh, kind of deep question for you before we move to our, our rapid fire for the end. Um, so I told you that I rewatched Enter the Dragon recently. Um, nice. And in Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee's character, who's also named Lee, admonishes his student to use emotional content in his mm-hmm. technique. Then he scolds him for confusing that phrase with anger. So mm-hmm. can you first define emotional content for our audience and perhaps speak to a moment, competitively or otherwise, when you realized anger wasn't enough for the obstacle you faced. Okay, so yeah, so like we have a word, a Chinese word called Shin. Mm-hmm. And it's like uh it's like this martial spirit. I'm not sure the Japanese um equation, but it it, it exists as well. It is it exists and it's like this this heart, this courage, it's like samurai energy. Mm-hmm. And it's intense and it's focused and it's like it's you you, you gotta get this done, right? Um it's like you got to score this touchdown. It's not anger, but it's intensity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, sometimes I tell people it's passionate, right? And passion, it's like, it's fiery. It's, um, and I think that's what Bruce was trying to say. Like you're hitting with your essence, right? Like it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, I guess if, if you look at, if you look at the McDojos and you ever watch the kids doing the kata, mm-hmm. and they're just like, you know, waving their arms around. And it's like, you know, and one of the things that's uh, prevalent in the current epic of how children are taught is that everyone is like, good, good job, good job. Cause you want to like boost the kid's confidence, which I think is great, but I consider that false confidence to tell yeah. somebody that they're doing a good job when they're not. Right. I don't, I don't believe in that personally, but these kids lack emotional content in their form, right? They're not really doing the moves the right way. They're not putting their energy with it, right? They're not focused. Um, there was this really great video I saw recently. I don't even know where the hell I saw it, but it was online somewhere. But they were talking about what a McDojo is. And I think Americans get that confused because they think a McDojo is karate. And somehow Muay Thai is not. That's not true, right? Because there's some karate schools that are badass and there's some Muay Thai schools that are more like McDojos, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, so they, they run a more like that. So, but um, 
No, and so so in 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 the in the the little video, it was like this is a McDojo, and then they're showing the little kids waving their arms. This is not, and you see them in Japan doing the kata beautifully. This is a McDojo, and you see the same thing. And this is not, you see the Koreans doing it like real perfect. So I think that the difference between how the Koreans and the Japanese and the Chinese, as opposed to the Westerners, is the lack of spirit. It's the shin. It's the lack of energy that um, I think is missing. Right. So that thing, that's what Bruce is talking about, emotional content. And then, and then in your own life, was there a point where you had to access that shin, you know, whether competitively or outside of the ring? It's easy to talk about victories, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I remember this time and, I, and I, I had my victories. I mean, you know, I, I've had it. But it was actually a loss that I feel that I used it. And I was scheduled to go to a tournament. You know, I, I was uh, competing in the world circuit. So I was traveling monthly all over the U.S., sometimes out of the U.S. doing all this. And I was sick at the time. I had like the flu or something. I had a fever. I was I was really out of it. And mm-hmm. I and I, I don't know where I was competing. Like in, it, it, who knows? It could have been Minnesota. It could have been some place that I would have never gone to if it weren't for a karate tournament. But um, I decided to not cancel because I, because I had already scheduled it, I was gonna fight, even though I knew I was gonna lose. But I'm like, nah, I'm gonna show up, man. I'm gonna do it. And I remember I had to pull myself together and and get in the ring and fight. And you no, know, I didn't win, <laughs> but I felt like just showing up to the battle was like, you know, I had to pull a lot of spirit <laughs> to get there. Yeah. But I, I I wanted to to use that later on when I when I taught students how you know sometimes you just gotta go forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe like, maybe that's not the best advice always. Maybe you should just take a break. Sometimes you stick, but yeah, I try to be a badass. I don't know. Yeah, it, it works. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it reminds me of um, uh, uh, you know, we're all geeks here. Uh, but in, in Luke Cage, the Netflix series in that first season, uh, you know, the lesson that he learns from Pop, the uh, the guy at the barbershop, who tells him forward, always forward. You know, um, and, and forward doesn't, you know, moving forward doesn't necessarily mean that you have to rush headlong into things when mm-hmm. you're not prepared. It's just like trying to maintain your focus on the present and the future more than getting bound up in like your past and being, allowing that to keep you from things that you are supposed to, or, or, uh, yeah, things you're supposed to do, you know, the, the part of you they're supposed to unlock. Um, so yeah, that, that was a great answer, Sifu. Um, I got to see Luke Cage now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, man. First right. season is pretty solid. Second one, right. too. They're just both a little long. Um, gotcha. So now we're moving into the more. I mean, this has all been fun for me, at least. Yeah, big we're facts. Into some, so we have five rapid fire questions for you, Sifu. I mean, you you can take your time and answer them, but these are more fun. Uh, and we're, they're, a lot of them are based on your uh, 80s kid um, nature. So <laughs> prepare for that. But Jude's got the first one. All right, yo, Sifu, other than Bruce Lee, pick one martial artist, dead or alive, you want to train with. I want to train with martial artists, other than Bruce Lee. So, so dead or alive. Wow. Interesting. Motherfuckers from 1557 to 2020. (laughs) Oh, Oh, boy, that's a good one. I had to pick one, too, right? Just one. So, I don't want to take too much time, man. (laughs) All right, we're good. All right, all right. yeah, Bruce would be interesting, but I, I, I don't know. It, it has to be somebody that I can't get anything else out of them, right? Uh, like that, no one else could do what they do. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a rough one. I, I, I damn, it's oh, even my fault. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's so many. I mean, but but you said dead or alive. Now you just you ruined it when you said dead. Musashi, I don't know. Um, well, well, but, well. Let's let's stick to alive then. I guess if okay. If, all right, that's easier. Uh, <laughs> all right, alive. Um, I kind of want to work with Hicks and Gracie, man. <laughs> he's he's kind of cool. different. Yeah, different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, Hickson, uh, we'll see if actually you can explain for the listeners who. Yeah, he's, he's you know the Gracie family. They they're the ones that really brought Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to the forefront. And started the UFC, but he's one of the the most um, 
successful fighters out of the family. But mm-hmm. I like his, he's got deep philosophy. I think it's pretty cool that I would yeah. like to kind of learn from him. Okay, good yeah. pick. All right, next question from me. Uh, favorite 80s action franchise? Franchise? Oh, yes, boy. You just have to pick one movie. You can pick Okay, okay. Yeah, it got to be the franchise. Um, and like some of the cool movies like Bloodsport, they, they were just like one movie and the rest, we don't even want to talk about those. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. I don't know, man. I, I dig the Karate Kid stuff, man. Mm. You know, especially now, man. I know it's corny, but I always liked it. I just peeped so season. I, I, I just finished season three yesterday, and yeah. I was like, "When did this become good? When did this get fire?" <laughs> I always liked it. It's corny. Sometimes you gotta. I mean, I, you, I, I appreciate though, Jude. Like people like you who stick with something, even though they may not like it in the moment. I appreciate that because, like, sometimes I've tried to recommend, oh. Like when I, I talk to people about Breaking Bad, for example, and they're like, oh, well, I tried to watch the first episode. It was so boring. I'm like, you got to You got to get past it. You got to get past it. I stuck with Luke <laughs> Cage. The Karate Kid. That's 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 dope. And does that include for you the uh, the Jaden Smith film? Yeah, I dig it. You know, I, I remember when, when the Jaden Smith film came out, you know, I had just started a kid's uh, competition team, you know. Mm. and uh, Oh, yeah. I remember the kid, that. All my students saw it and they hyped them up, you know. So yeah, yeah. it was cool. I dig it. Like Steve and Eric and um Yeah, you remember those guys? Yeah, I remember those guys. Yo, Steve was nasty. They really enjoyed it. So they were around the same age as Jaden Smith at the time, so it was pretty cool. Jackie mm-hmm. Chan is great in yeah. that movie too. You should, maybe they could have called it the Kung Fu Kid, but they, they needed to sell well, the tickets. Exactly. Whatever. We won't be semantic. Ahmad, you've got the third one. Yes, I do. <clears throat> Seafood. Uh Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Really? Oh. Sorry. Yeah, for me, a street fighter. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's like uh, the, the real and Ken, and yeah, yeah, I like Mortal Kombat, but I prefer Street Fighter. That's interesting. Yeah. That's actually not what I expected. I thought you would say uh, Mortal Kombat. No, yeah, street fighter. She's in the game. Is there's one thing though? Seafood's a thug for that because Street Fighter is mad hard. Yeah, it's a <laughs> difficult yeah. ass game. <laughs> yeah, well, we invested a lot of time learning, you know, Hadouken, so you know. It's it's not like it's, the skill went away, man. <laughs> Even <laughs> though we say like, like like every version of it got faster, the speed of it that's the, that's yeah. the things I noticed. They've been they've been re releasing Street Fighter Five for the past five years. Like there's a <laughs> right. ultimate Super edition. Street Fighter Five. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It was first Crazy. four. It was first four. Like, yeah, Super Street Fighter Four, Ultra Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Let's yeah. get to six. Now. I like Mortal Kombat too. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the yeah you're waiting for GTA six and Street Fighter six. <laughs> Maybe they'll hit the same year. Um, oh my goodness, Jude, the next one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is our messiest one, Sifu. Oh shit! Yeah, it is messy. Sorry, Sifu. Could you could you beat Steven Seagal in the fight? Yes. Yes. I will that ass. <laughs> I'm not losing to Steven Seagal, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys. It's a it's a matter of pride at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I could take him. <laughs> I believe it. No, I mean I'm, I'm just, I don't know, man. I, I mean, he's tough. You know, I, I respect him. I respect his, 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 you know, he knows this stuff. I don't think he's, he's a fraud, like some people say. I think mm. he's, a, he's, a, he's weird. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, he, he's, not very, he's not in good shape. And, you know, I think I got him beat. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what, because uh, there is a clip online of uh, Joe Rogan talking about Steven Seagal and Aikido. And he does say, like, it's easy to kind of pick on him when he's old and fat. When you look at him yeah. in his prime, like he, I mean, he's a big dude though. What I you know, is, is he was he was doing it. Um, yeah, yeah it, if it was a striking match in his prime, yeah, he's way bigger than me. I'm not a big dude, but yeah, I, you know, I have I have a lot of jujitsu, so that that gives me the ankles. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of that. That gives me an advantage, I think. Yeah. So our our last rapid fire question um, before our wrap up, uh, you you know, for those of you who don't know, Sifu is a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Uh, he's a motorcyclist. He does parkour yep. and probably a bunch of other stuff. But I'm wondering, what's your next adrenaline hobby? Is there anything you haven't tried that you're looking to do? Oh yeah, um, I want to. I really want to do gymnastics. Um, I've been meaning to start that um, when I can. 
And uh, I, I always wanted to do like like skydiving and stuff like that. You know, I've been mm-hmm. I've been wanting to get you guys involved because I I think it'll be cool if we if we go as a school trip to do that. <laughs> this thing is crazy. Yeah, I heard the laugh, so I, I got that. I was like, yeah, yeah I will sure. be that one. <laughs> I will be that yeah. one guest that comes along. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, Ahmad will do it. Ahmad, cool. You know, one thing though, like when I went to South Africa, and I, I did do uh, a trip to South Africa. I mean, that's a whole another, probably another talk. But um, when I was in Cape Town, uh, I went with one of my students, and you know, we, we it was a martial art trip, and we did stick fighting and all this great stuff. But when we were in Cape Town, you know, he kind of like punked out one day, you know, and I, I'm using a polite term. Uh, and he didn't he didn't want to go. So I went to the main district area where there was a lot of stuff to do. And I, I regret not doing this. And it was, a, um, you know, a, a, a situation where they put you in a steel cage and they drop you in in the ocean. Remember, you have two oceans, oh, the, the Indian and, and the Atlantic. Yeah, and they have the world's biggest great white concentration. Hell yeah. I, I, I was like, dude, that's heavy metal, man. I to- <laughs> Hell yeah. Sign me yeah, up for that. Sign me up for that. I come out on a motherfucking plane. Dude, you to do it, man. You to do it, too. I caught sharks. What's up? Oh, yeah, you did. I remember that summer. You that's went, right. That was in that's Mexico, right? right? Now nah, that was in Belize. Crazy in Belize. Yeah, you you were smoking cigars on the porch. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gymnastics is that's, that's something. Cause, uh, I've been thinking about that. Like, you know, I just want to start becoming more comfortable with my body in other ways. Martial arts has really been great, you know, because it's, I'm comfortable with it and I've become more comfortable with it over the five going on six years that I'm doing this practice, but there's more stuff I want to try now that I'm kind of more comfortable physically. So parkour definitely interested in, I've took, I've taken up roller skating. Um, I'm practicing that. So yeah. Uh, definitely want to keep my body active. Um, but to end on our positive note, as always, what are, oh, Jude, did you? Yeah. Uh, Ahmad. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got one more, one more rapid fire. Can you, oh, we do? Right, right, right. <laughs> Can you tell us about your time in high school? <laughs> oh, one, <laughs> one story that just sells it. All right. Jeez. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no one's going to believe this one, but this one is crazy. So, <laughs> is this the like, grenade one? Because- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> you mentioned this before we came on. I want to hear this in. And, yo, Tebow, give a brief, a brief update. Where did you go to high school? I went to Stevenson High School in the Bronx. And, you know, it was always like, like, like Stevenson and, um, I think it was like Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn was always battling for like the worst. Mm. <laughs> and I think we had him beat for a while, you know, as the number one worst high school in New York city. So, uh, it was crazy, but yeah, this kid I, and, and they took away the lockers some, um, midway through one of the semesters. Cause apparently he, he started to sell explosives, like homemade grenades. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm laughing at this, but yeah, nigga. He found, he found the um, he found the the. I don't know where he got the 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 formula on some some soldier thing. It was weird, man. It was, but it wasn't even like the weirdest thing that happened that year because like there was so many things that was just like a footnote that year. You know? <laughs> a footnote. Oh, by the way, this guy. Because a lot of times people think I'm making this stuff up, but then you, you talk to people who went there, you know, and they're like they'll back me up on this. You know, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh, Homemade explosives yeah. out of the yeah. <laughs> out of the locker. Well, you know what's crazy? You know what that makes me think of Ahmad is we we went to uh, LaGuardia, which is right across the street from Martin Luther King uh, mm-hmm. High School, which and that was considered like the worst high school in the city. But I feel like compared to what y'all was doing in the nineties, there was probably a couple people like sneaking in some you know contraband into MLK, but. Yeah, King King was up there too. I mean, there, there were all these schools that had major reps. You know, I mean, some of it was it was exaggerated, but there was a lot of incidents. I think that um, Brandeis was the other one. That metal detectors. I remember them. Oh, yeah, I remember that too. I went to the GD yeah. program. I ain't doing none of that shit. I was chilling. I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you sure did, um, gentlemen. We'll start with Jude. What's your song of the week? My song of the week is How's It Going Down by DMX. Mm, Understood. That's how the game's being played. How's it going down? It's on till it's gone, and I got to know now. (laughs) (laughs) Ahmad, yours? 
Uh, I, I I gotta take it back to 2016 when this when this single came out. So it's uh, "Me and Your Mama" by by Childish Gambino. I was bumping that, very good. training mm-hmm. and stretching. It is a fire song. Very I good. Yes. Um, I'm going to select a song that um is not very Christian, <laughs> but y'all know what it is because I texted you about it. Uh, on it by Jasmine Sullivan featuring Ari Yes, Lennox. sir. Does that's, not make the children. Don't put that song on unless you're in a very particular mood. <laughs> and right. Sifu, our guest, what's a song you've been bumping Man. on me? It was, the only thing I could think of what I was listening to earlier, and I, I kind of, it's not very Christian, but I was listening to Metallica, Seek and Destroy. I told y'all. He I did say that. You did say that, Justin. <laughs> you were very correct. Well, Sifu, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. This was a great interview. Thank you, Sifu. That's a wrap for us today. Beloved, it's our first evening recording ever. Um, If you want more Uptown Love, you can find our episodes new and old on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. As always, we thank you very much for kicking it with us. Keep it right here. We are keeping tunes rolling, although I do have to get my wisdom teeth pulled out at some point over the next month, so you might be uh, the whole thing. Y'all might be just hanging out with Ahmad and Jude for one of the February episodes, but don't worry. They're perfectly capable of taking care of you. Thanks again for listening. Seafood, be well. Be easy, y'all. Love you. <laughs>